River Rock has been a leader of the cannabis community since 2009. What stood out to me mostly was definitely the quality of their product and the knowledge of their product. The way that they treat each individual person always with respect and they try to make sure that your needs are taken care of. That was Michelle. She's been a medical patient at River Rock for seven years now. Like she mentioned, the employees at River Rock always have their recreational and medical customers in mind, especially with pricing and two convenient locations both open until 10 p.m. River Rock's quality with their prices is pretty much unmatched. River Rock caters to their medical customers by providing exclusive benefits when they become a member, including $100 in-store credit, 25% off all full-priced items, and so much more. The sign-over benefits have been great for me personally, especially since I live on a limited budget. The sign-over benefits have helped me to get medication that I normally wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Find out more about the sign-over benefits and why people like Michelle have stayed with River Rock for this long at riverrockcolorado.com. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever, and that's just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com today and make a purchase. Well, Zach, we actually got a little bit of a more exciting first day of free agency than I thought. Well, first official day of a free agency. Now, it wasn't because the Broncos made any moves, but it was because John Elway and Vic Fangio were finally able to comment on some of the moves they did make, most notably, I would say, the Joe Flacco trade. Yeah, and thank goodness we didn't lose power, Ryan, because like you said, it was a busy day of free agency to start. Uh, And Joe Flacco, kind of more of what we've heard behind the scenes, they're able to say it publicly. He's a common theme of yesterday talking about these players was a perfect fit for what they want to do, specifically with Joe. Uh, It's be under center, as we know John always had an emphasis on, uh, play action and throw the deep ball. Vic Fangio said that arm still has the power that it's always had. Wow. Um, the under center thing will never, never stop blowing my mind, especially because um, Joe Flacco was 79% from the, sh- uh, from the shotgun last year. Mm. So I, I have to double check that number, but I'm pretty sure that that's the one. It was in that range, 79, 80, somewhere in the 70s. And that's kind of today's NFL. Uh, yeah. The average is 80. <laughs> The average is 80% um, in the shotgun. So does that, does that mean that the Broncos are going to be at you know 75% in the shotgun? They just need a quarterback to go under center 25%? 
or the Broncos going to flip that number and maybe be shotgun 20%? I'm thinking 33%. In shotgun? In shotgun. So they're going to flip the league on its head? Yeah. And try to catch everyone off guard? I just think they believe that's the way that that you that's the way it's supposed to be done. That's old school, baby. And and if you're going to be a run first team, it makes sense. Now again, let's not forget that Peyton Manning turned Noshawn Moreno into a thousand yard rusher from running the ball out of the shotgun. Um, when the Broncos had Tim Tebow and Willis McGahee, ch- you know, chunking up the entire NFL, they were mostly running out of the shotgun. But if you want to have a traditional running attack. You got to go from under center, and, and that sets up play action at a greater rate. So, look, it's where it's the only way they were going to do it is really what what it comes down to here for me. This is how they were going to operate. So you just have to uh, hope for the best if you're a Broncos fan, because it certainly is not the new wave. We wanted the new wave. We wanted um, what was his name, Zach Taylor, to come in with Kyler Murray, <laughs> with Kyler Murray and, and Press Taylor as his offensive coordinator. <laughs> And light this thing up new age style. Well, John Elway, that probably never even truly crossed his mind, even though he did interview Zach Taylor. Um, So here's what we're going to get. And to be fair, more than any other team last year, the Los Angeles Rams operated from under center. So it can be done, most certainly. Do you know their percentage off the top of your head? I do not. No, I do not. Uh, But... It's not that this is um, completely antiquated and it can't be successful. And if there's anyone the Broncos are trying to replicate, it's essentially what Kyle Shanahan and what Sean McVay have done with the offense that was originated, you know, probably by Bill Walsh, but was used heavily in Denver by Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak. So if you can if you can do all that, that's fine. But it is it's just puzzling in 2019 to just hear how important under center is when the entire rest of the league is talking about how they need to be more like college because those are the type of quarterbacks you're getting john's just saying well i'll just go back to a quarterback who's old enough that back when he was in college they still went under center i don't have to worry about (laughs) teaching him it you're exactly right and that transitions to their uh to their biggest signing of free agency so far juan james he's again a perfect fit for what we want to do, according to John Elway. And what that means is Juwan James is more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. He's a pretty good run blocker, average pass blocker. And so they got him so they can run the dang football. Absolutely. And it's shaping up to be a good run blocking line. The more I look at it, the more I see, okay, from a run perspective, I see how this works. And we'll talk about Bowles more in a second. But Bowles at left, Leary at left guard, McGovern at center, Wilkinson at right guard, and Juwan James at right tackle. What word comes to your mind when I say those five names? What word? Yep. Run? (laughs) What uh, characteristic of those players? Big. Athletic. Athletic you have in Garrett Garrett Bowles is athletic. Leary is, is the least athletic of the bunch. But he was considered, you know, a great run blocker when he came here. McGovern is extremely athletic. Elijah Wilkinson is extremely athletic. And Juwan James is extremely athletic. So for Mike Munchak, who likes to get his guys out on the move, likes to make them bounce around a little bit, pull this way, pull that way, um, you know, pop out, whatever it is, that's exciting for him. Now, pass blocking, which 
in most people's eyes in today's NFL, is the most important thing for offensive linemen. That's where this is going to be um, a bit of an unknown because your best pass blocker in that group is who? I'm comfortable with only one of those guys in pass blocking. That's Ron Leary, the guy coming back from an Achilles injury. Right, and the oldest of the group. (laughs) Uh, Juwan James is average at best. Garrett Bowles is bad. Um, Connor McGovern is unknown as a center. And Elijah Wilkinson is also unknown. So run blocking, you feel pretty good. You've got that athleticism. There's a lot of different things you can do. Juwan James is a road grader. So is Garrett Bowles. From a pass blocking perspective, this can't make anyone feel good. So you're going to be under center 66% of the time, and you're going to run the ball 70% of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, r- hey, if you can run the ball, it changes everything um, because it really will open up things for Joe Flacco down the field, which is what we know he loves. And truly, when I was watching some tape on Joe Flacco last night, what I saw was a guy with an arm that I, I, I don't think the Broncos have had. Uh, since Jay Cutler is probably the arm talent, and this is not a knock on Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning did not throw zingers. You know, Peyton Manning had great accuracy. He knew where the ball should be on every play, and it allowed him to be incredible at quarterback. A lot of people outside of Denver called him noodle arm. Exactly. Joe Flacco, he rips it, man. Um, if there's a guy open downfield, he's getting it there. Um, now, he might go too long on some, but... The Broncos haven't had a guy who can who can get it downfield um, with with the force that Flacco does really since Jay Cutler. So I think that's one of the things that excites Rich Scangarello. But this offensive line, it comes down to one man, and it's Mike Munchak. He has to get top. He has to turn Juwan James into a top right tackle. He has to turn Garrett Bowles into a guy who looks like a third year left tackle who was a first round pick Mm -hmm. that is a lot of confidence being put in this guy now john elway did say yesterday that they're always looking to upgrade and they will always keep um you know a close eye on things uh in terms of how they could potentially upgrade at any of the positions on the field but you know this was specifically in relation to the offensive line but as it stands right now this will be the week one starting lineup and if mike munchak doesn't sprinkle some serious fairy dust on these boys um they're gonna be in trouble so that this bears the question i I just want to ask you because i put this out on twitter if mike munchak is tasked with making juan james worth 50 million and tasked with making garrett Bowles look like a first round pick and tasked with turning connor mcgovern into a passable center and elijah wilkinson into a guard why is he not getting paid 10 million dollars a year because you don't need to it's the supply and demand of what it is I, I believe he's getting paid significantly more than the average offensive line coach but if you can pay him let's say a million and a half and he he's accepts that and loves that why would you pay him 10 million you wouldn't <laughs> but and, and and that's not the point I'm trying to make the point is why don't these coaches who are heralded as great position coaches have their own free agency. Mm. Why doesn't Mike Munchak start a bidding war? Like a week after the season ends is kind of coach free agency. Right. And because, it's very public. Right, exactly. Because um, if Mike Munchak hits the open market, and again, he came to Denver for very specific reasons, uh, mostly because he wanted to be here with his family. And so again, he he's old enough that he probably doesn't need the money. 
and he probably doesn't care about, you know, yanking every penny out of, out of whoever his employer is going to be. But let's just say Mike Munchak hits the open market and he starts a bidding war. If this became commonplace in the NFL, a guy like Mike Munchak is getting paid at least $5 million a year. I think so. And, and I think there's probably what? How many position coaches are there on a team? Ten? Top line guys? Six? Um, well, you've got, let's just go through it. Offensive lines, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. So five, five on offense, so we'll just so about, round up about to ten. So about ten. And there's 30 teams, 32 teams. So there's 320 uh, position coaches out there-ish. If you, wait, no. Yeah, th- yeah, 320 position coaches out there. Let's say the top 5% are great. And, and, and people will go crazy for them. What is that? That's 16 coaches out there that'll get paid. Why not? That's what I'm saying. Like, they're agents, and uh, as a group, they're not doing this right. Because the guys, if you know a, a position coach's name, if you've heard it before, that means that guy's really good. Mm-hmm. And he should be getting paid a lot of money. Yep. So, and, and here's the main kicker. The number one kicker is... What would the Broncos tell Juwan James if he said, I want $20 million a year? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the main reasons would be we just don't have the cap room for that. Right. Well, guess what? There is no cap on mm, position coaches. Yeah. And these owners, most of them aren't poor. Actually, all of them aren't <laughs> poor. But most of them aren't cash poor when it rela- right. as it relates to football, you know, right. football operations. Mm. You could take these guys to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out. Yeah. There. No, I like that. I that's interesting. And you mentioned two guys who he's going to have to really work with in order to be successful. His price tag may be more than five million dollars because of what else he has to do. He has to turn Elijah Wilkinson from a tackle to a guard. He did that midseason last year, but there's still a long way for him to go. That alone is a huge project itself. Or bringing Sam Jones up from, what, a sixth-round pick into a starter if that's the route they go, that's a huge project on its own. And, oh, by the way, Connor McGovern needs to fully transition into being a center. The only person that Mike Munchak really doesn't have to touch is Ron Leary. And Ron Leary... No one should touch Ron Leary because he might break <laughs> if you do. Exactly. The, he, he's, he's the responsibility of the medical staff. So Mike Munchak has... Four guys on this offensive line that he needs to, like you said, sprinkle some fairy dust on. And he's, Good. he's a guy that can do it. He, he's one of the only guys that can do it, yep. and he should be getting paid as such. <laughs> uh, I like how the last two days we've really been talking about how to take more money from people. And give it really just to Mike Munchak. And speaking of that, John Elway says yesterday that the contract of Joe Flacco will remain the same. Now, that's John Elway's perspective. <laughs> exactly. Someone reached out on Twitter and said, that's great to hear that Joe Flacco is not demanding a new contract. And I said, ah, well, this was the words of John Elway. Right. We'll have to wait for, till tomorrow <laughs> yep. when we will be introduced to Joe Flacco, Juwan James, and Kareem Jackson to when we can, when someone can ask Joe Flacco, maybe uh, Stoke will be there. <laughs> someone can ask Joe Flacco, Joe, are you happy with the contract the way it currently is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if he break? What if that just breaks the news right there? Nope. I told John I'm not stepping on a field until there's 30 million guaranteed. He totally could do it. I'm <laughs> telling you, he totally could do it. Um, maybe he won't, but maybe if he does that, Mike Munchak should do the same thing. 
<laughs> if so, I'm putting my I'm putting my video camera straight on John Elway's face. Man, what if Mike Munchak was just like, actually, never mind. I'm not coming <laughs> into the building until you pay me more. He's like, wait, you didn't tell me this was going to be my line. Yeah. So, big, big, tall task for Mike Munchak. In fact, one that I f- almost feel is is too tall a task. Um, I think I think he can get more out of Garrett Bowles. I think he can get Connor McGovern to a good place at center. I think he can make Elijah Wilkinson work. I think he can make Juwan James a bit better. But in the end, does that make this a good offensive line? Uh, at least from a pass-blocking perspective, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just go back to, to how I feel with it. There's one guy you're comfortable with. That's And you're not even comfortable with him ex- because you don't expect him to be on the field. Exactly. And you can't plan on him being on the field. And that's why, Ryan, at number 10 overall, if there is a tackle that you love and that you believe is a top tackle and that will be good this year and that will be a pro bowler next year or the year after – and then at least a perennial Pro Bowler, if not an All-Pro, you take him. You, you take him because you can't keep having this offensive line where you're either way overpaying guys in order to get them just to be average or uh, you, you have one guy on the line that you're okay with. You can't do that. But I don't know if there's that guy at 10. I don't know if there's that, that guy because typically tackles, if there is that guy, he's taken in the top five. Now, maybe everyone's just getting caught up in how good this this um, defensive class is and people go defense and quarterbacks, and that's how one of these guys uh, slips. Maybe people aren't evaluating them correctly. Uh, and maybe Mike Munchak can really turn this guy around. But that's why if that guy's in the class, it's going to be hard to pass up on him, even though you just paid Juwan James $13 million per year, and even though Garrett Bowles is a first-round pick from two years ago. Speaking of Garrett Bowles, John Elway was, I mean, normally I, I can look through these smoke screens. Didn't feel like smoke screen to me that John Elway just stated it as fact that Garrett Bowles is their left tackle. Is that what you got? It, 100%. It, it seemed like it was a, a non-factor. Like, of course he is. Right. He's like, so now we have Juwan on the right, Garrett on the left. For a while. For a while. <laughs> so he's, that's his plan. He's sticking to it. Do you – did you – Check off offensive line off your off your first round board after hearing that it went down. It it went down because then he he did say you know we'll see how things change. But I wasn't sure if that was like next year or the year after, like down the road, or if that was like a unless some major catastrophe happens where Garrett Bowles is awful in the off season in, in the start of OTAs. It really seemed like it's the plan. Well. Man, I wish I could remember the quote, but there was a suggestion from Fangio, I believe, that unless something crazy happens, Juwan uh, James will be on the right side, which was to te- which kind of told me, okay, well, what if Garrett Bowles just doesn't like Mike Munchak, doesn't listen to him, <laughs> and doesn't get any better? Okay, well then we can figure out what the next step is at left tackle, yeah. and and not not Juwan, someone else. Mo- no, moving Juwan James to the left side in a what I would call emergency situation. Right. Yep. I wouldn't like that. Like we said, you draft a guy to play a certain position. You pay a guy big money to play a certain position. Have him play that position. And that's what, that's maybe the number one thing I want to find out tomorrow. Why the right side? And is he just so much more comfortable there? Or is he open 
to playing the left side, or is it really just right side for him? And and, and why? You know what I want to know that this is totally off topic, <laughs> but in it tomorrow probably wouldn't be the appropriate time to ask this question. Let's say through four or five preseason games, Vic Fangio just simply does not feel comfortable on the sidelines calling plays. Is there? I just want to ask John, is there any chance that if he's just not comfortable, just doesn't like it, he could move up? You wanted yeah. an expert on one side of the ball, right? Yeah. And Vic said, I was hired to make this to, to help this defense be great. All the plays. That's my job. So if that's your job, do it. And I feel like we're not talking about a small thing. It may seem like a small thing because it's not talking about the players on the football field, but it's talking about the coach on the football field, and that's important. And to me, a lot of players have said, former players have said, it'd be so weird not having your head coach on the field. Well, to me, I'd rather have them adjust to that and have a former head coach, Mike Munchak, be the one calling, uh, you know, actually saying timeout and throwing the flag than have your coach not be comfortable and be at 80% instead of 100%. What does the head coach really do on the sidelines that's so important? Game management, but he can do that from up top and talk to Mike Munchak. Right. In fact, you could probably manage the game easier from up there. There's a lot less going on around you. You'd be more clear-minded. It makes it makes so much sense. And also, Mike Munchak, another reason to pay him a few more million dollars is, yeah, he probably does want some time with his offensive lineman on the sidelines, but you see Sean McVay go over and not even pay attention to what's going on on the defense. Well, and here's the thing is he, Vic Fangio's not a rah-rah guy. Right. He's a, he, he couldn't be because he spent his whole career in the booth. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's all about up here, you know, between the ears. That's where his greatness is. It's not because he motivates the guys. No, it's because he understands the hell out of defense and he can see what an offense is doing from a bird's eye view and know how to stop it. Uh, I don't even want to. I can't believe this thought just crossed my mind. You know how Vance Joseph looks so uncomfortable and confused and <laughs> lost? Yes. He spent his career on the sideline and still looked like that. What if, what if it's so clear that Vic Fangio isn't lost, because I don't think he's going to be lost in game management or anything. What if it's just so clear in preseason he is so uncomfortable? The dude sits <laughs> at a desk and takes dozens of pages that he hand wrote yep. and spreads them out across a desk. What are they gonna build a desk that like wraps around his waist? I'm picturing, yeah, I'm picturing like just he has a windshield kind of around him, just of papers, and the whole time he's like got two hands out to the side, holding like these seventeen papers that are connected. I was thinking an inflatable desk that is attached to your belt, <laughs> and it kind of like wraps around your waist, and it's, it's like a it's floaty. In- yeah, but it's it's inflatable, so it's light, so you can move yeah, around. Yeah, but it kind of just wraps around the entire front of you, and he can just pin his stuff down onto it what animal does he have on it is it like a, a duck or is no, he going with a giraffe head he's got an apple that one of his students gave to him <laughs> there we go <laughs> i mean jokes aside i actually don't even understand why it's a it's a thought that he would be on the sidelines yeah just because that's conventional yeah and and i i hope that that's the initial thought and then it goes to before even preseason starts, like, well, that doesn't make sense. In fact, this isn't a big deal. Let's yeah. just do what makes sense. 
I've seen the reverse happen now, not from a head coaching perspective, but Eric Bieniemy, who is the offensive coordinator, and now he's the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs. He was the offensive coordinator with the Buffs, and John Embry, who was the head coach, believed the best way to be an offensive coordinator is from the booth. Mm. You can see the way the line's playing, how it's developing. So he told Eric Bieniemy, who is the ultimate rah-rah guy, <laughs> to go up to the booth. That lasted a couple games, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think I've told this story before, but they ended up having to move the radio broadcast <laughs> because he was screaming so much from his booth that they were picking up all of his curse words. <laughs> um, so he went back down to the sidelines because that's what his strength was. His strength was getting his guys fired up. He used to be a special teams coach, you know, the guy that just screams at everyone, fires everyone up. That's what he's great at. To me... On the very first day, they should have said, yeah, Vic is going to be the head coach, but he is going to call the game from the booth. He can speak to the team at halftime. He can speak to the team before the game. He can speak to the team after. And whether it's Mike Munchak or Ed Donatel, who's been his right-hand man for a while now, he's going to be on the sidelines in direct communication with Vic. Any message he wants to send to a player, any timeout he wants to call, anything like that will be in real time because Vic will be saying it down to – to the guys that need to be doing it. And see, that makes sense. The The other way doesn't make sense. You're would doing any, it just to do it. Would anyone com- have said this is a bad idea? No. I don't think so either. People might have said, oh, this is unconventional. Uh, unconventional is the Patriots' motto. It, it, it's okay to do things a little different. And we're not talking about a Vance Joseph, a first-time head coach, a Zach Taylor, a young guy who could maybe adjust. I'm not saying Vic can't adjust to this, but he's been doing it for over three decades one way why would you make him change it's like if you just if i was a race car driver and tomorrow you said oh by the way your your uh steering wheel is switching to the other side of the car <laughs> and you got to go drive it over there right good luck and oh by the way you're now you know our top driver and we're paying you more than you've ever been paid in your life and you have to change everything that you've done that right. made you get to this point exactly when you have the option to just keep it on one side it's weird but I think if Vic Fangio were to tell John Elway about this, I think they would have a good conversation about it. And the reason is, I think Vic Fangio feels very comfortable with John Elway. And you know I'm a vibes guy. Mm-hmm. Always have been, always will be. Mm-hmm. I got great vibes. And I know that sounds so dumb. But from watching John Elway and Vic Fangio talk to Phil Milani from Broncos.com yesterday. Vic's a guy who's very comfortable with himself. John Elway is a guy that is very comfortable with himself. Gary Kubiak, very comfortable with John Elway. Vance Joseph, you can tell that he is sitting in the room with his boss that he views as John Elway, and he knows John Elway has all the power, and he doesn't want to step on John Elway's toes or say anything wrong. I, I don't get that from Vic Fangio. You know, he, he's sitting in the chair. Uh, you can tell he's a little uncomfortable wearing the... Uh, the, the Button down the, and slacks. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's uh, you know, swinging his little, legs back and stiff. forth. <laughs> yeah. you, you can tell that he's just he's very comfortable being, being around John and what he says. And I actually believed him when he said, I watched Kareem Jackson. He said, we, which I like. He said, we watched Kareem Jackson. We went into John O'Reilly's office, said, we love Kareem Jackson. John O'Reilly said, we... We love Kareem Jackson, too. So that's Vic Fangio and his defensive staff, probably at Donatel, and John Elway and Matt Russell. I actually believed that. If it would have come out of Vance Joseph's mouth, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> it probably would have been like, um, John, or John's been like, yep, we like Kareem Jackson. It's like, okay, yep, 
Yep, sounds good. John would have been like, don't watch film of free agents. <laughs> don't waste your time. You stick to the guys who are on the team. I'll get the guys who aren't. Um, I really loved that. And that's why I say, if Vic Fangio, through three preseason games, just says, this is so weird. I hate this. I truly believe he would go into John Elway's office and say, hey, man, can we talk about this? Because I know this isn't conventional. But I believe I will give this I will be most valuable to this football team in the booth. And I think John Elway would say, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's what should happen. I wonder if that happens, you hope it's in preseason. You hope Vic doesn't get, not scared, but doesn't just think, okay, I should push through this. You hope after two games, he says, nope, don't want to do this, and brings it up. And then they can have a few practice games in preseason doing it that way so that once regular season starts, you you hit the ground running. And heck, maybe you do those two and you say, okay, actually, this can't work. Right. I doubt that would happen. But I just – I'm we're sitting here today talking so much about un, about conventional thinking, right? Like running the ball from under center is so conventional. This might be like – if you got a little unconventional, mm-hmm. I would just feel so much more comfortable with this. Yeah, just shaking it up. And, Ryan, speaking of conventional thinking, the last thing here, John Elway's conventional thinking is playing true again to this roster. The way these contracts are set up for Juwan James and Kareem Jackson is all about win now. Juwan James getting paid $12.75 million per a year. His cap hit this year? Eight million dollars. Kareem Jackson who's getting eleven million per year. His cap hit this year six million. So you get your the, these two guys' cap hits are fourteen million. You're really playing to win now. So the Broncos right now have about fourteen million dollars of spendable cap space left. That's I don't. It, it's not enough for a big splash for them to go get because you still have to have enough money to fill out the roster. But it's enough for you to go get your Jeff Hirons, uh, a solid, solid backup offensive lineman, potentially even a starting guard. And John Elway said their plan for the rest of free agency right now is just to 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 wait and see what happens. They have their eyes on a few guys, but they want those price tags to come down. And as we know, the longer the price or, or the longer free agents are on the board, the more their price comes down. So in the next week or so, they'll probably make one or two. B or C signings coming up uh, with with don't lose eye on uh, Jeff Hireman. But Ryan, what do you think about the small cap hits for Juwan James and Kareem Jackson and pushing that money later? Sounds great. What are you going to do with that money? Because if you go sign Bryce Callahan right now, I'm saying that was the most genius thing of all time. Right. If it gets you Jeff Hireman and Zach Kerr and some other guy, yeah. then I'm saying, okay, whatever. Yeah, and the way it affects you moving forward, Juwan James' cap hit next year, $13 million. You're thinking, well, that's not bad. That's about the average of what he's getting paid. The Broncos can move on from him after next season, but then they get a $6 million dead cap hit um, that, that'll take place in 2021, and that's that's significant. That's a significant cap hit just to carry. Right now, the Broncos by far and away lead the league in dead cap money over $20 million. That's two studs. I mean, that's Juwan James and Bryce Callahan pretty much. That, or, or Yeah, I guess it could be those two or Kareem Jackson that you're missing out on because of the dead money. Uh, and Kareem Jackson's is even more severe. 
I think this year, like I said, the cap hit is $6 million. Next year, the cap hit is $14 million. That's a ton for him. And then if you move on from him uh, after that, you have a $3 million dead cap, which again just adds to the number. Why could you not go get a, a big name still? Especially if you've been able to do this with these guys' contracts already. We've been we've been all along thinking, okay, well, you got to take twelve million off or something if you're going to get a Bryce Callahan, who's just the name who happens to be coming to my mind right now. Well, based on what we're learning here, you could probably get Bryce Callahan for a seven million dollar cap hit this year, and then you still have fifteen to work with for your depth guys. Am I wrong? Well, if you got him for seven, then you'd be looking at about seven million dollars left uh, that that you would have. Don't. Don't they have twenty two right now? But that's without the eight oh, million for okay. the for the draft for class. For the draft class. Oh, okay. So then you you could you could go get uh, another big name and, and do the same things you've been doing with these guys in terms of smaller cap hits this year. But then you're not signing B or C guys. You're probably filling out your roster with D and F guys. So that's just a choice you have to make. That's not necessarily bad. If you want another stud and you think that's going to benefit your team more than two to three see guys then you do it i think you can get any of these guys let me start naming them bryce callahan i think you can get him and afford it my page is frozen um <laughs> golden tate <laughs> mm-hmm. is a guy you can get him and afford it um you probably wouldn't want him but uh, and dominican sue mm-hmm. you want to replace domata Pecco? there you go um going on here uh haha clinton dicks if you wanted a you know a, a safety. So really quick, where do you stand on this? Would you do you want them to go out and get one big name and then fill the rest out with DNF guys, or would you like to go see them get two to three B or C guys? Fill what out though? Like fill what what positions are we getting D or C guys at? Third corner, defensive line, inside okay, third linebacker. Corner, I'm getting that in the draft. Okay um defensive line you're talking what what kind of player is, is zach kerr uh probably c, probably c yeah c level player i think you could probably still get him hmm but you just have to you just have to make sure you have enough money to fill out the roster though either way a if, backup a bat a solid backup offensive lineman i don't think they're getting that anyway so I you say, only think there's I, there's uh good players out there like you don't you don't think that there is room for lower level players or B or C players. I don't think there is a C level offensive lineman out there right now. Hmm. I think the C level offensive linemen were the Billy Turners of the world who just got seven million dollars per year. So then your answer is obvious. You want them to go out and, and make one more splash. Definitely. At least one, and then you can get, you know, fill a couple more holes there. But that's the thing is you're not filling more holes if you go and make something. You're just you're just putting a guy in there to be a 51 man on the roster. Which is, I'd rather have more good players, less average players. And I think the Broncos probably view it the opposite way. I think they say we need we need a tight end that can play. And who's that? Jeff Hireman? Yeah, exactly. Now that that's, they're lying to themselves. That's how they're viewing it. I think they say we need depth on the defensive line. We we just let Domata Pecco go. We can't let Zach Kerr go. And if we do, we have to replace him. Um, inside linebacker, they they Vic Fangio wants another person. 
Uh, so maybe go out and get his type of guy. They're not out there. Try and find a, a C or D guy that he thinks he can turn into a, a B sort of player. And just with what Vic said, why I think all of this is Vic said we have needs at every single position. So I it wouldn't necessarily make sense to go and use all your money on three guys. It makes a little more sense to, to go use your money on two guys you love and then three guys that you're happy with. That's just I, how I think they view it. That seems like too many players. I think you can get with. So you're saying they have 14 million to spend right now? Yep. I think you. I don't think you're getting five guys out of that. No, three. They've already got two, with Juwan James and. Uh, oh, and you're Jackson. adding three more. Yeah, okay, I see. Um, yeah, I would just say go one more player that you love, and two more that or one more, two more that you're just okay with. No, you hate. Two more that you hate. Two more that are fifty and fifty-one. Four million and three million. No, but 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 you ha- it can't just be. It can't add up to fourteen though. It's got to add up to like ten or something like that. Why? And because you have to fill out the rest of your roster with guys that are that are going to be you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, you can do that, and then you just figure out the rest later. <laughs> That's what everyone does. So you are absolutely John Elway win right now. Push those cap hits later, and let's go. Everything you've done to this point is win right now. Why stop now? And, and that's what that's what I'm saying. You think that that John Elway's going to do that? He should. I don't. I don't think he is. I think that I don't think he feels like they either. They're not in love. Either they're not in love with one of the guys that are out there, uh, or they don't want to overpay for a third guy. And here's what the Broncos could do by pushing those salary cap figures um, in the future. They're, they're looking for a deal. If that deal doesn't come, what they can do is they could roll over the salary cap space into next year. And then the bigger salary cap hits for these two guys and with Von Miller that you did last year, then it's kind of negated because you're rolling over you know $7 million into next year. That's not win now. Broncos did it last year. I know, and they didn't win. And and John Elway was telling us they were winning now, too. And they should have used that money to sign Matt Paradis or someone else, but they didn't. I'm just saying, go get one more good player and figure out the rest later because everyone else is doing that. No one else is worried about $750,000 signings because it's going to put them you know, $750,000 over the cap. No, you just... Who signed? Who did they sign last year? Just make them change their deal up. Todd Davis, you got to change your deal up a little bit. Well, that's that's just. I mean, you you have to figure it out now, though. You're paying Mike Sullivan probably a few million dollars to figure it out, and he's saying no, you can't go do that. And you say sorry, like everyone that's rich does to their uh, money person. Sorry, Mike, we're doing it. So it's your <laughs> job to figure it out how it's going to work later. Well, right now it doesn't seem like John's going down that route because it it does seem like he's being responsible and and not just trying to blow that 14 million dollars that he has left it's a shame (laughs) it's a true shame because if you're trying to win now you need another good player or you need seven other players and so you're gonna go try and find three of them maybe i just if you end up giving me jeff hireman and zach kerr instead of bryce callahan i'm shaking my head at you but then what happens when one person on your defensive line gets hurt and you have nothing there? You are going to have things there because you'll have your draft class and you'll have the undrafted free agents that you sign. Whoa, we're relying on undrafted free agents now in your plan? That's what they did last year. 
That's how they had a decent offense. I'll tell you what, that is that is as risky as it can be. I if, just I don't think if you want I don't to think win, the Broncos you have are to thinking. take risks. And I don't think the Broncos are thinking that way. Not in terms of the risks, but in terms of how they're viewing it. It's I think a, they would have locked up a guy by now. It's the same thing I was saying about Antonio Brown and really in a sense Kyler Murray. If you're trying to go from six and ten to ten and six, you have to roll the dice. Well, I guess that perfectly helps my point then. The Broncos aren't going after Antonio Brown. The Broncos aren't going after Kyler Murray. They were in on Antonio Brown for a little bit. Who you trust, depending. Yep. Um, in the end, I think what we weren't totally realizing at the time is if they had signed Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. or any of these guys out there, they would have had pretty much no room to do anything else. Yep. And so that's probably the number one reason why they weren't doing it. Now I'm saying you figured this out. Like you've done two steps and you've allowed yourself cap room. Go get another guy if you're really trying to win now. If you're really trying to win now, you kind of have to take a risk that you're going to be healthy this year. Because you can't be counting on your your fourth defensive lineman to help you win 10 games this year. You're living in la-la land where no one gets hurt and where you don't have to fill out a roster and you don't have to worry about depth. You worry about depth. You just you aren't worried about having – you're not worried about having C depth versus D depth. Those don't get you – C depth doesn't help you get to 10 and 6 more than D depth does. To me – Vic Fangio says, yes, it does. And Vic Fangio is, is not necessarily the voice of reason in that room, but he brings a lot of reason and, and a lot of, of uh, hesitation and realistic views. And I think that's what he's bringing. He's saying, John, we have 17 needs on this team right now. We can't go spend it all on one. If I'm John, I'm saying, sorry, buddy, I'm in charge. <laughs> this is my baby. Also, the longer that we're sitting here, the more these guys' numbers are going down. Maybe you can get Bryce Callahan for $9 million a year and you rework his contract so it's a $5 million hit this year. And then it's 14 next year. And then between him, Chris, who you re-up, and Kareem Jackson, you're paying $45 million in salary cap. Figure it out then. <laughs> you can cut Joe Flacco and save 21. <laughs> and then what are you doing a quarterback? You're going, you're going Garrett Grayson is your plan. No, Justin Herbert <laughs> is the plan. Anyways, I'm just saying, if you win now, you, you, don't, you don't care about next year. You win now. You do what it takes to win now. You get a player, and you, and you give your team the most high-level talent that you possibly can. And let me just reverse back to when we talk about win now. If you go too far into win now when you're truly not in win now, it hurts you. And this I is clear how it hurts you. It, it, it'll hurt you so much in the future. Just next year. They've already gone way too far into win now when they aren't <laughs> going to win now. So why, not, why stop? Because don't, don't, don't get yourself into, and I'm not saying it's a bad situation that they've gotten themselves into, but I, I don't think they've gotten themselves too far. They're way too far down the line to play it safe at this point. Because of why? Because of just the two signings? Because of every move they made. Because of the fact that John always says he doesn't want to wait for a young quarterback. If, if you are not win now, then you are waiting for a young quarterback in, when you have a top 10 pick. Or even better, when you had a top 5 pick last year. You can't, you can't make all these moves and sign these guys and pay a right tackle way more than he deserves. And go down all these paths of, of trying to improve the current roster and now get gun shy on me. You got to get the best player you possibly can and figure it out later. <laughs> figure it out later. I like it. I like it. Well, 
I don't like it, but that's we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we we will see. Uh, in the end, whether they get Bryce Callahan or not, the chances of them winning now aren't even that high. Exactly. And so. that's that's the question. Are they a Bryce Callahan away from winning the Super Bowl? They might think that <laughs> because they thought they were Joe Flacco away from being a playoff team. All right, John. It's it's Vic and John here talking about this roster rebuild. <laughs> well, well, we're going to figure out this podcast later and how to uh, attack this. But before we do that, I want to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. Whatever your ailment is, I'm sure it's helped. Uh, CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient, and the coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and they'll ship it straight to your door. All right, Zach, we got to hop into the question of the week here. And, of course, the question of the week is always presented by Sports Column. And while I might think the Broncos need to improve this grade, well, at least go from where they are right now. Uh, and the question is, how would you grade the Broncos' free agency moves to this point? A lot of people on a similar path here. Nicholas Geyer comes in and says, solid B. But the Avs without Landeskog, solid D. Does he mean like their defense is better? <laughs> I, I have no so. idea. You would know better with that comment. I don't think so. I don't think so. Sorry to Nick. I know you're a big Avs guy. Uh, it's been a rough season, unfortunately. Definitely not uh, living up to expectations. No, and we'll see about the Broncos. Eamon Badwin comes in and says, B, would be a B-plus if we can retain some of our own free agents for cheap. They're getting a bunch of action. They aren't getting a bunch of action. Hmm. I'm saying it could be an A on his scale if they just go get a good player. <laughs> uh, Rigardino comes in, B minus. Christian Conway along those same lines, B minus, with the possibility of moving in either direction. They played it smart given the circumstances, but any team who is signing free agents to big contracts is is in is in an undesirable position of desperation. A lot of the best teams were relatively quiet in free agency. Gunner chimes in and says B minus. Yeah, I mean, usually good teams, well, the best teams are quiet in free agency, one, because they're hold, trying to hold on to the guys that they like, uh, and they don't have as many needs to fill. And then you have the Patriots, who are just a unicorn. Or the, the way you should build teams, as proven on decades on decades of success. Ryan, na- name me someone on their roster. Julian Edelman. Uh, on the offensive line. And the trenches where it's one can't name Trent Brown defensive line can't name Trey Flowers linebackers it's it's they don't go out and and drop big money and yeah they have the quarterback the greatest quarterback of all time yeah but they also just build out their team it's not about one or two guys now they they'll sign the Randy Moss they'll sign that big guy in but then it's just about the rest of their team they have Gronk and they have Tom Brady and Edelman I don't think he's getting paid a lot. Here, I mean, you just you can't look at that as a replicable uh, formula for success. Why would you not? Why would you not look at them and take? Tell what, me one team who's got even close to, to, to even trying to do the same thing and succeeding. Just because I mean, you're saying name name one team that has Tom Brady. I'm saying name one team that can just let go of good players all the time and just replace them with cheaper players and not miss a beat. I think there's really something to letting go of players one year too early than one year too late. And I think that teams are afraid to do that. 
Uh, maybe not John Elway, but I think general managers are afraid of the backlash they're going to get from who would that guy be on the Broncos? Is it Derek Wolf? I mean, you may be already past that point. Derek Wolf two years ago. If you would have moved on from him, uh, there would have been a lot of back. What are you doing? Why aren't you signing Derek Wolf? Why are you moving on from him? Well, it's, yeah, and then he goes on and has a good year somewhere else. And Belichick does get a lot of flack for that. I think GMs are too scared to do that. Yeah, I just think their system is such a well-oiled machine, and it's been in place for so long that it would take you a long time to get that system in place. I'm not saying do everything like the Patriots do because I certainly wouldn't do some things the way they do. But why would you not take a page out of their book here and there? And and really, for the majority of things. The page that I would take out of their book is bringing in players with issues that you can get for cheap and saying, oh, my system will make them better. And and why do, don't teams do that? It seems like it's... Most of the time, it's like, oh, this guy's going to end up with the Patriots. Of course, he does. Turns out to be successful. Yeah, I don't know why teams don't do that. I mean, honestly, even Antonio Brown, for as crazy as he's looked all offseason, he looks very together yesterday. <laughs> yep. All of his quotes were, like, on point, and he was telling Mike Mayock, I'll do anything you want from me, and he was hugging John Gruden, and, like, I was like, he doesn't look crazy at all. Did he really <laughs> just sabotage his own trade value just to hurt the Steelers? crazy that's what it looked like yesterday I don't know if you saw much I watched like three videos there was one video that like followed him as he came into town and I was like he looks completely together is the mustache still no nope. mustache is gone his hair is weird no his way hair... mustache is gone yeah it's black oh my god so it, this was just all I'm gonna be the weirdest dude do the weirdest stuff in reality I'm not it was just all a ploy that's what it felt like <laughs> I'm telling you he didn't do one thing that was off kilter yesterday wow he looked like a franchise wide receiver. So he's the smartest guy in the NFL. Well, I guess, yeah, because he didn't want to hurt the team that he was going to. And he got paid. I always I always wonder that. By the way, Mike Mayock said to him, hey, we have four, uh, four first-round picks, or three first-round picks, four very early. We're going to need you to take these guys under your wing. He said, I'll do anything you need. Oh, my gosh. By the way, when you said Mike Mayock the first time, I was like, oh, he had a nice interview on uh, NFL Network. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that was crazy. I mean, I truly believe he duped everyone. Wow. wow. We'll see. I mean, well, he, he he's the smartest guy in, in the NFL right now, because not only did he not hurt the team he was going to, he pretty much got to choose. Well, he definitely got to choose the team he wanted to go to, and he got paid. The Raiders spending lots of money, getting lots of players. Yep. Yeah, it's similar to someone else's system, Ryan. And we'll see if it works. <laughs> Especially, I mean, when they get Kyler Murray, they'll be doing like everything that I said you should have done this offseason. Not getting Kyler. They're not getting Kyler because you were right. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> if they don't get Kyler Murray, I'm not. I don't have much faith in them. If so, they, so he. I guess here, here's the thing. We will judge our success on how we would finish this roster. You get the Raiders. I get the Patriots. Fair deal. We already shook on it. And great. Give me uh, Kyler Murray and give me a five-year window, and I'll take that deal. Hmm. Well, you know, if only you give me a realistic, realistic opportunity. What do you mean? Kyler's just not going there. <sighs> you get Derek Carr. Yeah, I don't want Derek Carr. You get Drew Locke. Hmm. hmm. Five-year window. Total wins <laughs> is total wins is the uh, the barometer here over the next five years with playoffs included. Sure. <laughs>
<laughs> I, that's still such a dumb deal for me. But I, I think there's actually a chance because who, as soon as Brady goes, the Patriots are the new Browns. Brady's not going. He's playing until he's 75. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Wait, the new Cleveland Browns now? Because I'll take that. Nope. <laughs> I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Did you watch Parks and Rec? No, not really. Well, in Parks and Rec, there's this guy named Jerry well, or Gary or Larry, depending on what season. Wow. Um, but he's like just the, the the clown of the office. Like everyone just clowns on him Yeah. constantly. He's always like tripping and just doing embarrassing things and everyone makes fun of him. Um, that was the Browns. But there's this one episode mm. where he retires and they need a new Jerry in the office and so everyone's like walking on eggshells because they don't want to screw up or else they'll become the new Jerry. That's the NFL right now. No one wants to become the new Jerry, but mm. it's going to be the Patriots. Mm. Bold. Bold. And you put that all in one tweet, huh? Yes. That's impressive. <laughs> she wrote a story about it. All right. Let's get into the questions here because we have a lot from Norike. Hey, guys. Still listening to this pod, but wanted to comment. Uh, but I've wanted to comment for a week or so, but I can't keep up with all this amazing content you're putting out there. Anyway, here's what I would love the Broncos to do. Trade back with the Redskins and get the, for them to take a quarterback and pick up an extra second round pick. Pick Devin Bush if he's there at 15. In round two, try to pick some combination of Dalton Risner, Garrett Bradbury, Chris Lindstrom, or Rock Yassin if the O-linemen are gone. Um, if you can do this, then the O-line would be secure for years potentially. Real quick, Risner feels like he's out of the question for me unless you're playing him at center. Do you want to draft a guy in the in the second to play him at center? I'm fine with that. If he's a stud? Yeah. I mean, heck, just get as many guys from Colorado as possible. <laughs> Seems Those to be working. Local kids do pretty well, huh? Yeah. So, um if you want to I just I feel like Risner is a is a right tackle. I know a lot of scouts believe he's best suited for center. Wait. But I have to ask in the second round why would you draft a guy who's a right tackle and have him play center? Doesn't that seem like the most the, the most drastic move you could make? I mean, we talked about drafting guys and changing positions. He's played both, though. He has played both in He's college. He's played center? Yep. Okay. Um, so he goes on to say, round three, one of Lonnie Johnson. If you haven't gotten a cornerback, maybe McLaurin, Isabella Hart or Hall at wide receiver, Drew Sampler, Caden Smith at tight end, Dalen McAdeel. That's like... You just name the entire third round. Sure, I'll take it. And most of them might go in the second. <laughs> round four, whatever position not yet filled, might look for players like Corey Ballantyne, David Long at corner, Terrell Hanks if he's still available. Round five, Rippin if he's still there, he won't be. Um, or depth at offensive defensive line, he goes on to the rest. <sighs> All of this sounds good. Yeah, it does sound good. But Ryan, really quick, trading back, do you like that? I do, and I'll tell you why. Because I just spent big money in free agency, I need more players. So I'm getting three in the top 70, right? Is that what the top, what are the top two rounds? 64? Yeah. I'm getting three in the top 64 instead of, you know, the Jeff Hiremans and Zach Kerr's of the world. I'll fill two, I'll fill an extra hole with a guy that I actually believe could still be really, really good. Mm, so you like filling out the roster. You that's still you that's do, interesting, Ryan. You have to fill out the roster. I'm doing it with better players mm, than you. Interesting. Interesting. I just, I just like good players. I know it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, next one coming in from Broncos fans since 84. He says, gents, congrats on getting the three Pete and great podcast as usual. Thank you so much. As I was wondering, I was wondering with the, Anto with the trade of Antonio Brown, couldn't we get Josh Rosen or Josh Ross, John Ross. There we go. Whew, for a fifth or even a sixth. 
Would love to see this happen. Yeah, that's what we said day one that we talked about John Ross was fifth or sixth, maybe even a seventh, depending on how long this thing drags on and how badly they really want to trade him. Um, it's, it's easy, especially for me as a guy who's spending big cap space. He's only costing two mil. Two mil that you got to count in. Got to count mil. it in there. That's one, of, that's one of my guys. That's one of my value guys right there. You don't, you don't have room for value guys, Ryan. I sure do. You, but you want these value guys, but you don't have room for them. Can't do, plenty of room. Can't do it. Can't do it. Also, he says, also, I agree with Fangio comment you made about wanting an inside linebacker. If I was Fangio, right when Flacco got traded for, I would have been in Elway's office telling him, since you got your quarterback, I now want my quarterback for the defense. Let me take one of the Devons in the first round and a corner in the second or third. What's your take on this? And how much do you think Fangio insisted for this to happen? Do you really see Elway caving in on his thoughts on inside linebacker of just plug and play? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, Vic Fangio didn't walk into John Elway's office and insist anything because John Elway is his boss. And walking into your boss's office and insisting on something has never really been a good way of going about your business. Now, I'm not telling you not to go to your boss and ask for a raise, but I, I, I used a careful word there, ask. Mm. If you insist, you better be really valuable if you're going to walk in there insisting on anything uh, because that's not going to rub your boss the right way. So I will say this. There's a chance that John always said, hey, what do you think of Flacco? They all agreed on Flacco, and then he said, okay, so since we're not going quarterback in the first round anymore, this is Fangio. Can we get me my quarterback of the defense? I got Roquan last year. You saw what it did for my defense, having a guy who can fly around out there. I know you're not big on these guys, but I promise you, if we get Devin White or Devin Bush, we'll be off to the races on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not demanding anything. He's saying, John, to make my defense great, it'd be huge to have one of these guys. Man, if that happens, I'm going to have a lot of faith in John Elway and Vic Fangio and their relationship. They talked about it yesterday. They said they are on the exact same page since Vic walked into the building. Said they've been on the exact same page during free agency so far. I would too. It would be, I mean, it would just show how much John likes and trusts Vic too. That's so important. This, I mean, really. For it, long-term success, if, it is. If they draft middle linebacker in the first round, I'm going to say this, these, this combination has a chance to have real success. Yeah. Because I'm going to say they are a team. Yep. Not a boss employee scenario. And then we talked about how the personnel department is very small um, and, and needs help. Well, maybe you don't need as much help as everyone thought because because you are, are allowing the coaching staff to have some input. All right, here's one from Bleed Orange Blue. Sounds like uh, maybe he might be on the same page as you. Oh, He says, I hate these moves by LA. Every move <laughs> screams Band-Aid. Playing a cornerback the same age as, a, as Tlaib makes me scratch my head. Wasn't the reason of trading Tlaib to save cap space. However, they pay more money for a player with the same age and same skill set. James is overpaid. Mark Kisler wrote a piece this morning saying that you don't pay a band-aid of a right tackle $12.5 million a year. You hired Munchak to develop young, cheap offensive linemen. It's news to me. Uh, I currently have more questions than answers. My brother is a 49ers fan, yet he's more optimistic than I am about his current roster. Okay. Slow down. First of all, the Talib thing is right, but you're but everyone who's talking about this is missing one important wrinkle. When they traded Talib, they did so with the idea of saving I think it was eleven million dollars. Yep. But they did so believing that one, that he was having a negative impact on the locker room uh, when the team was losing, that he wasn't he wasn't part of the solution, he was part of the problem. That's not the biggest part. 
The other thing is they thought Bradley Roby was a starting caliber player. And really quick, they also had to pay Roby a significant increase. Yeah, $9 million. From two or something. Right. So if you were to keep Tlaib, you were going to be paying 20, $30 million to three corners in that ballpark. It wasn't possible. So they decided to roll with Roby. In, in retrospect, that was the miss. Not getting Kareem Jackson this year. The miss was picking up the fifth-year option on Roby. Remember, they had to do that a whole year. Yeah, so the miss happened two years ago. Right, exactly. You should have said no to that, which would have admitted that you didn't think Bradley Roby was a long-term option, which would have been a bad look at the time, but it would have been the right move long-term. Then you could have kept Tlaib last year. You'd still have Tlaib now. He's still a high-level player. This is a correction to that mistake, which only cost you one year. Now you're getting Kareem Jackson, who is maybe not as good of a cover corner as Lakeeb Tlaib, but in this defense, especially when you play a lot of zone concepts, he's going to be really valuable to you. So the miss was on Roby, not on Kareem Jackson. And what the miss was, it, it cost you $2.5 million. By moving on from Roby instead of the 8.5 he was making last year, now you're paying eleven. So you're paying for that miss by 2.5 mil. On Juwan James, I read Mark Kislow's column, and I love Kiz. Um, I know a lot of people hate him, but same thing with DMAC. Like When you meet these guys in person, they're a lot cooler than they seem. Or a lot nicer and, and more human than they seem behind a hot take on the radio or, or a, um, a, a, a bomb column. Anyways, how are you going to call a guy that's 26 a Band-Aid? He's also on a four-year contract. That's not a Band-Aid. Because you're plugging a hole with something. That you're, you're overpaying. I mean, that's it. I, I just think the term Band-Aid is misused in this context. Band-Aid, to me, seems like a temporary fix for a, a problem that is only going to help you in the short term. I guess th- th- it could turn out to be that way. I mean, th- this could be... I guess it's a Band-Aid because it's a, it is a quick fix. Um, and it could only be a quick fix. They could move on from him in two years, and this year it could be a total nightmare, and next year could as well. It's possible uh, with an injury, and then the play just doesn't live up to it. But it it's also not a just a straight-up Band-Aid move. I understand what you're saying because there is more to it. He could, uh, he could turn out to be your tackle for the next 10 years. You could sign him up for another five-year contract after this one. So it's not, on the surface, it's not just a Band-Aid signing, but it could turn into one. That's my main point here is this has long-term potential. Band-Aid to me seems like something that, that, that doesn't have a, an end game, a long-term play. Is Kareem Jackson a Band-Aid? In a sense, he is. Um, I would say he's the best, strongest Band-Aid you can buy at Target. But <laughs> from a Band-Aid perspective, you know that Kareem Jackson isn't going to be here for five years. Can you sign an older player and not call him a band-aid if they're over 30 i don't think so so any any guy over 30 is going to be a band-aid and then you just have to decide if it's a good band-aid move or a bad band-aid move here's where band-aid is a bad word because cream jackson is far more of a band-aid than Juwan james cream jackson is a much better football player at this point than Juwan james this band-aid thing is is going to get uh it's going to get interesting the next few years as long as Vic's on this roster. It's great advertising for the company that provides Band-Aids. Yeah, because what are they? Bandages, I believe. Bandages? Wow, that's fantastic. We just have to, we, we have to figure out 
if Juwan James is going to be the Band-Aid that falls off when you jump in the pool, or is he sticking on there when you're drying off after the shower and the next time you jump in the pool? That extra super glue style. Yeah, because if he's falling off the right when you jump really in the pool. one that really hurts to rip off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just don't think he's a Band-Aid. I think he is an overpaid, hopeful solution. Yeah. Band-Aid to me screams... This only helps us right now and not at all later. And I don't I don't hate the moves that have been made at all. In fact, I don't think I hope I haven't been giving off that. You would have just you would have just paid twenty seven guys who are on one million dollar contract. I would have paid twenty seven punters. <laughs> there you there you go. Um but Ryan, you think I mean you said it. Juwan James is overpaid. Is that right? Hundred percent. You can be overpaid. He has not earned that contract by any any means. Yes. You can be overpaid and be Still, still be a good signing. The Broncos desperately needed that. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing. I don't think I don't think there's really a band aid move here. Band aid move would have been, you know, band aid move would be like one year, five million dollar contract for um, Eric Berry if you had a hole in the secondary. Right. So. Or when, so if you're a bad team, signing veterans like that is a band aid. If you're a good team, it's a win now move. Mm-hmm. What are the Broncos? Looking for band-aids, man. Yeah. I don't know if they're good <laughs> enough to be making these moves, but they sure are trying. Yep. Uh, from Matri, he hits us with another one-liner about food. I feel like this is going to turn into a thing. Shake Shack is fake. What? What, what? was his take yesterday? Uh, five guys is something. Five guys is God or something. Yeah. Shake Shack is fake. <sighs> I, I think they use all real ingredients. I think that's one of their things. Oh, I hope it's real. I eat it. <laughs> I mean, like, like no filler meat. Right. Yeah. No. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's legit. It's like locally sourced. I even maybe think. Shake Shack just isn't where Matri is, so it's a little jealous. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, jealousy. with the Chiefs being as strong as they are and the Raiders improving as much as they have, is there a path you see to the Broncos competing for the West, or do you think that any success will come this year will have to come through the wild card? Just seems that our moves aren't quite strong enough to compete with the top end. Thanks, guys. He's calling the Raiders top end. Oof, look at that. I don't think – well, it, it all depends on what you mean by compete. I don't think the Broncos are winning the AFC West. I think there's, there is there is a chance they'll be competing for the wild card. But, Ryan, I could see – I can't see the Broncos winning the AFC West this year. Can you? Not on the surface. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen, and, and I would hate to even do this to the guy, but – if Patrick Mahomes gets injured, you know, all of a sudden the whole division is up for grabs. But just just the way it projects That's right I mean. now. As it is on paper, I don't see it. In fact, you probably won't ever be able to say that during the time that Joe Flacco is in Denver. Before the season, say, I think the Broncos will win the division. Potentially. What about second place? Can you see them being second? Yeah, second place. I can, too. Anyone can get Third? second place. Third, sure. Yep. Fourth? Yep. Yep. I can, too. They could be a playoff team. They could be the top wild card team. They could be the fourth team in the division. What was the uh, Chiefs' record this year? Was it twelve and four? I think so. I think they take a step back this year. Hmm. More tape on Mahomes. I mean, defensive coordinators. If they have one big study project this off season, it's Mahomes, especially in the AFC West. Um, and the Broncos have as good of a guy as any to do that research. Um, but the defense is really scaring me. I think their defense is going to be significantly worse, and it was terrible last year. Hmm. You don't think Spagnola is going to change it all, be the magic? With what players? Is a, you know, like, they actually had a few good players. They ended up leading the league in sacks because they had two guys who could pin their ears back starting in the first quarter. Now what? I don't know. I mean, Chris Jones is great. Really great. 
but there are they are just taking chunks out of that defense. Tyron Matthew, really good player, probably at the end of his rope. He's de- he's due for a down year eventually. I mean, they thought teams thought it was going to happen last year. That's why he got a cheapo deal with the Texans. Then he played really well. Now he earned another big deal. But I just I think they have really hurt themselves. They lost a corner who was decently, you know, he was kind of like their Bradley Roby and Steven Nelson. Um, I just, where are their players going to come from? They better draft real well on the defensive side of the ball if that's what they're going for. Or they just go all offense. <laughs> and that's fine too. That's basically what the, the Browns are doing. Exactly. Man, there's, they're going to both be so fun. Browns definitely are getting the max on uh, national TV games. How crazy is that? is wild and so will the chiefs wild the broncos will get the minimum yep yep the raiders are probably might even get the max if they, especially if they get kyler murray oh yeah one of the things john said yesterday when asked about joe flacco and why he thinks he's the truth or the answer is he said yeah his his stats aren't very good but you know what stat and the only stat that matters he wins and not too different from john elway and now i know this the quarterback stats are a lot different back then than they are now john elway his passer career passer rating? Do you know what it is? I think it's in the sixties. Little, little above. higher, seventy nine. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. Mm, it was it Joe w- Flacco's been in like the bottom five the past five years, and it's been in eighty four. I think the way the game was played is a lot different. That's why I went so low because all of those quarterbacks from back then have low compared to this year. And that's what I'm saying. John Elway was a fantastic quarterback. It's just interesting looking at that. But John Elway, I think, is the fourth most winning quarterback ever. Did you see what I tweeted out when he said the only thing that matters is wins? What? I said, here come the Tebow guys. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Because Tebow is a winner. Just nothing else. Didn't really have the stats. Next one coming in from Gunner. He says, my guys, wow, it's been such a long time since I commented. I almost forgot how. JK, I've actually just recovered from the news of Keenum going to Washington. I just can't get away from this guy. First, he stinks my Broncos up, and now I have to listen about how bad he is on local sports radio talk. Sorry, this is so long with no bluff. 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 I always forget. But I have to catch up. Congrats on the podcast, Victory. Ryan, I think I actually found this podcast shortly after you started on it. I'm not a true OG, but before that was probably just okay anyways. Winky face. I hope you all are safe from the bomb cyclone. Or cyclone. And if you ever in, are in Culpeper, Virginia, you got to check out Grill 309. My treat. Much love and go Broncos. By the way, we everyone should be relieved that your voice was on here. I forgot to bring that up in the first segment. Just that you made it home safe last oh, night. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, it was – I kid you not, man. There was some crazy stuff. Lights were out, of course. Uh, cars were sliding, of course. Cars were honking at other cars, like an, a crazy amount, unnecessary. And there was a car that was driving down a one-way, the opposite way of a tunnel. What ton? Where is that? It's right under Broadway and and Broadway and Spear. What, only one of the lanes. That's a goes one under. way tunnel. Yep, it's a one way tunnel. This guy didn't think so though. Dang! Especially with no one being able to slam on their brakes. <laughs> yeah. There was no accident when nope. that happened. No, nope. no, nope. impressive. It was weird. It was weird. That's crazy. Well, everyone's glad you made it home safe. Appreciate it. Um, there was no. Was there a question there? No. Nope. I'll say th- Girl Three Hundred Nine looks tasty. It does. does? Yeah. You clicked the link there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what a, is it a burger place? Yep. Yep. Okay. Burger sliders look mm. like. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. From Norike, finally just got caught up. 
um, just gone midnight, and I'm up for work just under six hours, but I'm up to date with the podcast. There we go. Uh, hope you guys have enu- have got through the bomb cyclone, okay, and Zach wasn't blown into Oz on his way home. <laughs> yep, everyone's safe. Glad to know. From OG MVP, I just saw an interview with L.A. and Fangio, and with, when no prompt on bowls was given, he said he is happy with the tackles they have right now. Do you think this would be telling us to not drafting a tackle with a high pick? Are there raw guys in the draft that we could still get in the fifth for Munchak to develop? Yeah, uh, of course there is, and Give I wouldn't me be Titus Howard. Oh man, oh man, it. Uh, yeah, I'd love that. I, mean, I could see him absolutely going for a starter in the second and a developmental guy fourth through seventh. You should probably be drafting offensive linemen in every draft. Yeah. Like quarterback until you have one? Exactly. Um, quarterback's a little different because the higher your pick is, the higher chance they have of succeeding. But every other position, and, and, and it, it, that's true of every position, but every other position you feel good about just taking a guy who has the tools and developing them. Exactly. I like that. All right. Uh, from BWR, I think we're all missing the obvious play this year, but Broncos are obviously drafting Jawan Taylor in the first and Connor McGovern in the second. Jawan and Jawan at the tackle positions, Connor and Connor, Connor McGovern and Connor McGovern on the interior. I feel sorry for Leary being the odd man out, but maybe there's another McGovern or Jawan next year that they can draft. Yeah, Jawan's a guy that we haven't talked about much, and he, who knows? I don't think anyone knows anything about him in terms of what he is. Some people have him going five overall to Tampa Bay. Some people don't have him in the first round. That, that's like the biggest swing ever. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, is he is he out of Florida? Yep, exactly. Okay, just making sure I'm thinking of the right guy. Uh, from True, True Champ Fan 24 guys, couple things. This part is off the topic of everything. I had someone question my Champ Bailey fandom at work today, and I had to give them a lesson. My <laughs> office at work has a mini Champ Bailey statue picking off a pass and a signed Champ Bailey action shot authenticated and all. And my daughter's initials are CB. Wow. None of this is important. I just feel it's proper to bring up because of my name on here, which is, of course, True Champ Fan 24. I'd say you're a True Champ Fan. We believe you. Also, Kareem Jackson and Chris Harris are the same player, and I could not be any more excited for this pickup. Just say, just say it to yourself. We have two Chris Harrises in the secondary. It sounds pretty great. Man, if it's it high t- praise. If it turns out to be like that, steal. Yeah, they're they're different in in certain senses, but they are undersized guys. Play with tenacity, can tackle, smart, can tackle. Chris is not as versatile. Well, he is very versatile in terms of playing the cornerback position. He's never played safety really. There's been a couple times where they put him in a role that you could consider safety. I'd say Kareem is a little more versatile. Both of them will probably well, we'll see. Both of them could be on the outside this year. Um, obviously, Chris is always the the wild card there. Exactly. Completely agree. Next one from Yeti Roar says, Welp, guys, I'm starting to really internalize the Broncos aren't going quarterback in round one this year, even if they had their pick of all three guys at 10. As painful as it is to arrive at that, these past few pods have really probably been the bucket of cold water I needed dumped on me to accept Elway's win now plan. Ugh. I guess go Flacco then? 
Also, this makes me think of another potential issue for all of us dreamers that Denver will finally have a young quarterback of the future for the next 10 to 15 years. If Elway truly believes a quarterback is more likely to win later in their career, what's not to stop Elway from just continuing to find retreaded quarterbacks with upside moving forward rather than actually solving the problem long term and simply being patient? A scary thought indeed, and sadly, it almost makes me hope Flacco doesn't work out so that Elway can fully decide to rebuild. There's only so much time Vaughn and Chris have left, and either way, the team seems likely to face a rebuild in the next three to five years regardless. And it's a sobering thought that Elway may never find a quarterback while he's in charge. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, here's the thing. You mentioned Vaughn and Chris, and that's where you lost me a little bit, because Vaughn and Chris aren't involved if there's a rebuild. If you are rebuilding, Vaughn and Chris are out of here. That's what people like. Everyone wants to rebuild until their favorite player gets traded, you know? Um, So just keep that in mind. Even if the Broncos started rebuilding last year, Vaughn and Chris still aren't a part of it. A rebuild, you got to get lots and lots of picks. I don't know if a rebuild's ever going to be in John Elway's repertoire. And because here's the thing he's going to, next year, he's going to say, I have Chris. I have Kareem Jackson, I have Bradley Chubb, I have Von Miller, um, I have Juwan James, I have all these guys I can't rebuild. And then it's going to be finding the next Joe Flacco. And maybe it's, you know, the next Joe Flacco. Maybe it's Blake Bortles along those lines. Maybe it's not exciting at all. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers in three years. Who knows? I mean, he did hit with Peyton. Right. Um, I think this is very plausible because John – has already just unless there's a ready-made prospect like Trevor Lawrence and John somehow has a chance to get him I think that could be something just the same way he wanted Andrew Luck you know Um, those guys come in and you feel like they're already polished but any guy that John feels like there's a development process with I think it's gonna be a hard sell Um, he sold people on Paxton Lynch needing three years well Paxton Lynch didn't even make it three years with the team is John here if he has the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence? Not from number one overall pick. Well, he's not getting fired, so yes. That I I don't think he's getting fired at all. But not you would have to be you'd have to have the number one overall pick because you couldn't trade to get him. No team is trading that pick. That's what you assume, unless something crazy happens. That would be two terrible years. I guess or it could just one, be one. year. What if they win but... the Super Bowl this year and then go zero and sixteen? It could happen. They sell off everyone. Yeah, for that to go zero and sixteen. Yeah, and that's get Trevor not Lawrence. a John John move. <laughs> um, I don't think they're ever rebuilding. Yeah, ever, ever, ever under John Elway. But let's just say they're that bad next year. Does John make it? Yeah, absolutely. I think if if it, the team is constructed the way it is now, then yes, he's here. John go zero and sixteen this year, zero and sixteen next year. I still don't <laughs> think he's getting fired. I I agree as long as uh. The ownership situation is where it is. Exactly. Okay, from Mark in Hawaii. I just watched a video interview with Elway and Fangio discussing the recent signings of Jackson and James. I think I like the chemistry between Elway and Fangio. I know it's still early, but after the VJ debacle and the departure of Gary, I think Fangio is truly the right man to pair with John. It really looks like that. Really looks like that. Um, he says, Ryan, the sushi course you experienced at Sasabune was called Omakase. Omakase which means the chef can serve you whatever he wants you to eat. Props for trying that because the sushi the chef uh the sushi chef there is nicknamed Sushi Nazi. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> it was awesome. Man, I'll have to look that up. I mean, I always say how open-minded I am, right? That's true. I don't even need to order anything and I'll I'll just take what you give me. 
I feel like at a place like that, it's just got to be the best, too. Uh, he goes on, okay, your recollection of eating amazing chicken dish in a grocery store <laughs> is both puzzling and intriguing. It was more of a market. Okay. More of a market. Yeah, I was thinking rundown grocery store. No, like, I just call it a market because I feel like there like there was things for, you could just, like, buy the fish right out of it, but you could also have them prepare it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I know what you mean. He goes on... Very fresh, it sounds. It was great. Yeah. He goes on, what island was it on and what year was it? (laughs) I think it was on the big island. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I think it was on the big island. And um, he said, I'll tweet you. In the year. The year was my freshman year of high school, (laughs) which would have been... 2010? No, I graduated high school in 2010. No, 2006. 2006. Or seven, depending if if you went in the spring. Let me just make sure on the island here. <laughs> um, We're going to have Mark traveling to all these islands just yeah, to find out. Uh, our true insider. Where, <laughs> where, um, where is the Pearl, where is Pearl Harbor? You've been to Hawaii, not me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at this stuff. I'm actually usually pretty good at geography, but not in this sense. Yeah. Okay, it's in Honolulu, Hawaii. There we go. So, somewhere near there. (laughs) I think. Good luck. Uh, Anyways, he says, I'll tweet you when I figure it out, but next time you're in town, let me know, and we'll feast on some Ono delicious food. I can't wait. Sounds good. I'm so hungry. Sounds good, yeah. How many more questions do we have? (laughs) Uh, We'll figure that out, how many questions we have, but before we do that, Got to tell you about Get Around. If you're ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or even a few days, Get Around is at your service. Get Around is a car sharing app, and you can literally unlock cars near you through their app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation to Hawaii, potentially. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. Go to get.co backslash BSN to save $15 off your first rental or visit get.co backslash BSN to sign up for free. To rent your car out and start making some money fast. How many questions do we have, Zach? We got five questions. You think we can make it? I think we you can think make it. You think we need to stop and eat the couch first? Should I just stick the microphone into my stomach so people can hear it <laughs> rumbling? I think they can hear it just from where it is. Probably. Next one coming in from Samuel B. Sue. He says, hey, guys, I love the effort of putting out a podcast in the weather conditions you had yesterday. I really appreciate it. Yesterday, I heard all around a lot of of pessimism about the offensive line, and I don't get it. We upgraded at left tackle. We have the draft where I'm pretty sure we will get a guard, but most of all, we have Munchak, who had the number one ranked line last year. He didn't have first-rounders all across his line. I think we upgraded the most important position, coach. The Patriots had a top-five line, and the only good thing they had was their coach. They do this every single year. Last year... They finished ranked 24, not 32, with Munchak. James in a draft pick. I think we can go to top 16. Last year, the Broncos ranked 24th. He's, he's saying Munchak can bring him to average. Sure. That's fine. Pay him more. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> saying if he, if, if all that matters is the coach, then he deserves more money. A performance-based uh, contract bonuses were given out today for, for all the players on the Broncos. Connor McGovern had the most think they should do that for position coaches and like how you compared to last year and how much you brought them up you get a huge bonus or like 
Yeah, that could be it. Or it's like draft position versus performance. Mm, yeah, yeah. Curtis Modkins would have had a good year. <sighs> He's getting paid. And, and to those wondering, just because I'm sure there are people out there wondering, why didn't Philip Lindsay uh, lead the team in performance-based pay? It's not actually performance-based. Right. It is playing time based so yep. it's based on snaps how much are you making versus how many snaps did you play can you believe von miller got a bonus <laughs> did he really yeah how much Every, i think 65 players on the broncos got it i think his was eighty five thousand. that's still a lot of money sure absolutely because they are saying that he was paid underpaid based on how much time he played i guess i get and may, maybe it's maybe it's based off of a hundred percent so if you don't play a hundred or like 0%. Like if you play more than 0% of your snaps, you're going to get something. And I don't know if that's the case, but it must be, right? If everyone's getting the bonus. Yeah. Chad Kelly got a bonus. For one snap. For, he got $600, I believe. Hey, that's <laughs> it could be worth something to him I'll right pay now. pay court fees, right? Yeah. <laughs> 600 bucks. You can buy a lot of things with 600 bucks. Um, a lot of vacuum tubes. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I get the idea of... They they upgraded the most important position coach. I just there is pessimism about the line because no no one on that line has proven themselves to be great at this point. Yep, exactly. The only person you could say who has proven themselves to be great probably was Matt Paradis. Oh, hundred percent. He gone. He gone. All right, from Ryan Clayman. Hey, BSN family. Hope you guys are safe after that storm. We are good, and I'm looking out at the roads right now. They are black. The roads are black. That's Colorado for you. Not oh, snow on them. black and light. I was thinking like a bio way, like a, a terrible gross way. No, yeah, they're fine. It's, it's sunny out. Yep. The, it's like raining snow because there's, it's melting so fast. <laughs> Love this place. Um, he said, had a couple things I wanted to run by you guys. First, is there anyone on the roster that we can restructure to get extra cap space this year? I was just wondering if they could free up some extra money. Yeah, I like that. Free up money, baby. <laughs> free up money to spend. Technically, you can... You can restructure anyone if they're willing to restructure. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, restructure benefits the player. It doesn't hurt the player at all. They just get money up front and push a cap hit later. So if if, if John says, I need three more top-dollar guys, I'm going to go to Chris, Vaughn, and do that again and just push their cap hits, well, then it helps everyone for this year. Right. If you're win now then it's something that you like to do. <laughs> so second, a friend of mine brought up this question. Want to get your take on this. Has Denver considered hiring Champ Bailey in a specialist role like they did with Ware this past year? No, I don't believe they have. And I, and I think Champ Bailey's pretty happy in his life. So I don't know if he's trying to get into coaching. I would also be very wary of specialty roles. If you want to hire Champ Bailey as the cornerbacks coach, I love it. Of course, secondary coach, love it. Specialty role, DeMarcus Ware is about as good as you can get. And he's a great teacher. He's... He's a fantastic player. That did not work. It I mean, really... they got a lot of sacks. Uh, I don't like the players getting getting a bunch of different messages. That's what I... It, like it, one guy's it, telling it you one thing, another guy's telling you another thing. A guy's in and out. He's the... This is... In, in this industry, people aren't in and out. They're in. And they're in for 80 hours and a And if week. you're not in, you're gone. Exactly. So it was just weird having that one guy be such a different dynamic. And then he was like friends with the like he was right. hanging out in the locker room as if he was a player yeah it's weird he was too happy yeah you gotta, be <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yell at someone if you're gonna be a coach 
Anyways, he says, third, what would have the 2018 Broncos looked like if Flacco was the quarterback and not Case? Playoffs? Winning season? Hmm. Joe Flacco was off to the best start of his career last year, and a quarterback improves everything. Oh, that's so hard to tell. We'd have to go through game by game and think about how Case played and then guess how how Flacco would have played, which is just – that's not possible. Exactly. Um. They would have been better. They would have been Joe better. Flacco, I said it from the – it was my instant reaction the second I heard about the trade. Joe Flacco is an upgrade from Case Keenum, and don't come at me with some statistical garbage. I've watched the two guys play. Now, at this point, I've watched it extensively. I obviously watched every snap of Case Keenum last year, and now I've watched almost every snap of Joe Flacco last year and even a little bit from 2014. He is better than Case Keenum, bar none, hands down. No disagreement. No, he's an upgrade. How much? We'll see. He goes on. Lastly, what would the Broncos have looked like if Kubiak didn't step down after 2016? That team was 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs by one game. I felt Simeon did enough for us to win games that season. We need to remember that the Tom Brady we know now is not the Tom Brady that won those first three Super Bowls. Do you see them winning another Super Bowl? How does that change the draft and free agency, in your opinion? And probably the most important question is, is Philip Lindsay on the team at all? Please say yes. Thank you for the offseason <laughs> coverage so far. So pumped for the draft. Let me just answer your question, your most important question. Is Philip Lindsay on the team? No, because Gary Kubiak is a CSU stan and a CU hater. Uh, uh, uh. Gave, gave, gave the team Shaq Barrett. Also gave the team Ty Sambrilo in the second round. Actually, maybe he didn't have anything to do with Shaq Barrett. I don't think he did. But we'll give him credit for it anyways. Yeah, Shaq Barrett was probably a John Fox thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, if Kubiak didn't step down, that is very interesting. I mean... They were on a downward trend. Trevor was heading in the right direction. Trevor was. Do you think Vance Joseph and Mike McCoy broke Trevor Simeon? Mike McCoy honestly may have. <laughs> he he was <laughs> I can't so... Disagree. Ryan, do you know who you know what team and what position he has right now? Mike McCoy. He has a position on a team. Exactly. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay, good. So he went from head coach to one of the best offensive hire or offensive coordinator hires in the league. So they thought. To done in two years. That is mind blowing. It is. And he also might have broke Josh Rosen on his way out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Trevor Simeon is Tom Brady. Of course not. But Trevor Simeon honestly may be your quarterback right now. Maybe it was all for the best. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's average. The one thing I know is Philip Lindsay is not here. Could be. <laughs> I bet you when they went to the pro day... Matt and John and Vance were all walking out like, damn, Philip Lindsay and Kubiak's like, that guy sucks. He just hung back. He didn't even go with them. No, he's he was like, there. No, he's like, no one's good is there. He he was just like, uh, Lindsay, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen uh, some guy up at CSU, though? He was great. <laughs> um, from Bucking Broncos. While I may not have a great grip on reality, I like the idea of bargain shopping. Do you see guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Quentin Spain uh, being in the Broncos budget? Obviously not all of them, but maybe just one, if any. Also, why do I feel like Shaq Barrett has been met with a super cold market? Seems like it's a depleted pass-rushing free agency groups. Thought he would be a hot name. And there's good players that are still out there. Maybe it's Shaq wanting to visit every team. Um, I know that there, there's some players that are making their visits. Matt Lacoste 
is making visits to teams. Uh, and maybe Shaq's doing that and doesn't want to decide until he's met all of them. Some players uh, want to get locked up right away. So maybe it's just a different approach. Um, sure, some of those guys are, are certainly guys that, that you can target. Ryan, Jared Cook. Still out there. Jared Cook. Still out there. Get him. Yep. Forget about the cap. Doesn't matter. Get it's him. about winning games. Get him on the bargain. You can get Matt Lacoste or Matt Lowcost. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I would rather have uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins than Jeff Hireman. Sure. I'd rather have Jared Cook than Jeff Hireman. Yeah, me too. At the cost, I might rather have Matt Lacoste than Jeff <laughs> Hireman. Yep. Um, any of these other guys jump out to you as guys the Broncos could jump for? Maybe a guy in the middle, but... Uh, of the defensive line, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it's just all going to determine on price. He brought up Mark Barron, too, the linebacker for the Rams last year. I'd have to watch more of Mark Barron to know how he fits for a Fangio-style linebacker, but I know he – wasn't he a safety at uh, Alabama? Yep. So he's probably rangy. Yeah. Could be an interesting fit. Could have been the guy you brought up earlier when I was telling you you couldn't come up with a linebacker. <laughs> uh, from Elroy Jetson. Warm snow bomb for you wishes, guys. Wanted to give a quick food thing, then football. Kentucky hot brown. You know what that means? No idea. Warm toast with sliced turkey. Could be lunch meat or turkey breast. Smothered in Monray sauce and topped with bacon and a fresh tomato slice. It's heaven. Next time you're in Cincy, find a small diner across the river in Kentucky and ask for it, and you'll be happy. Wow. What's Monray sauce? Mornay sauce. Mornay sauce. I have, that doesn't matter how you say it. I have no idea what it is. It's, uh, um, oh, wow. Did you Google it for me? It's like a cheesy sauce. Yeah. Is it like Hollandaise? Kind of. That's what it looks like. Extra cheesy, though. Like cheesy some and rich. Gruyere cheese added, uh, sometimes cheddar. Yeah. So it's like melted cheese and cream. Oh, oh here we go. I got a more simple explanation. Is a sauce made with cheddar is commonly used to make macaroni and cheese. So it's just cheese sauce. Yeah. Making it sound all fancy on us. Uh, hey, you should read this description. So we're talking about sliced turkey on warm toast with cheese sauce, bacon, and tomato. Yeah, that works. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. It's going to work. <laughs> Anyways, he says, on to football. Has there been any word on Elway and how he feels on Will Greer? I'm not a fan being in Louisville, or Louisville. Seeing him play the Cardinals, he didn't impress me. I've come to terms with Flacco is the, that Flacco is the win-now plan, and if we don't get a top-tier quarterback, I just don't want Greer. Thanks, guys, and keep up the incredible work, champs. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's someone to keep an eye on for. Uh, I don't even know, because that's a second-round quarterback, right? That's don't just, draft Will Greer. That's why I haven't thought about it too much is I don't want that. I don't want a second-round quarterback, and that's that's also not win now. The crazy thing about Will Greer is there's a lot of weird stats that back him up. Like, he has the highest effective completion percentage of anyone coming out of the draft by, like, 12 points. He also – they do, like, some composite score, quarterback score at the Combine. I forget what it is, but they combine everything in terms of ball speed and this and that. He, like, won that. And I'm just blown away because I watched him at the Senior Bowl for two days, and I couldn't even stand watching him any longer. Yeah, 
I'm not too down on him. I just don't like where he'd be picked. What if you can get it? Would you like him in the fourth? Sure. Okay. Sure. He's too short to play under center, though. Oh, gosh, yeah. He's <laughs> not a John guy. <laughs> Apparently, Tyree Jackson is rising quickly. People are saying he has a stronger arm than Josh Allen. No. No. Third round, maybe, at this point. I can see it. I can see it. He's pretty fleet of foot, too. I'll give him that. I just, I don't know. I don't think he knows how to throw it five yards. He yeah. only knows how to throw it 50. That is Paxton Lynch. Sure is. Maybe he has a better attitude than Paxton Lynch, though, and, and he can and learn maybe, better than and him. And maybe, and that's something that, that we can't tell. We certainly can't. From Craig L., I'm going to ask this question a few times throughout the offseason. As things now, what as things stand now, what are your expectations slash predictions for next season? will be interesting to see how this changes with the draft, OTAs, and training camp. I think they'll be competitive. 8-8, um, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven right now. Uh, I think that's that's pretty fair, but competitive. I've got them a little lower than that right now, 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and nine, because they still have big needs they need to fill in the, in the draft. Like, I got to see them hit, hit on some players that they need in the draft. So they're not just one player away? Is that what you're saying, Ryan? They're not one player away? I'm saying they're stuck in the middle and they need players to get out of there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you give me – literally, if you just said right now, you stay where you are plus Devin White, now I'm saying, okay, now you're in the conversation. Now you're 8-8 eight and eight to 10-6. and six. Fair. Totally fair. Uh, so ask us again in two months. Two Two, one and a half. One and a half. One and a half. Uh, two bonus questions coming in. One from Kanoi28. He says, just saw the Broncos TV interview with Elway and Fangio, and it seems clear to me that Elway feels good about Bowles and James, so I'd put my money down that number 10 pick is not going to be on offensive line. Feels like cornerback or inside linebacker now, right? Or quarterback as the dark horse. Nope. Have you guys seen it? We know Elway is usually transparent, so it felt like he was being earnest on feeling good about his tackles on each side. I can see Kareem at safety if we go cornerback at 10 since Fangio was noncommittal on his position. Do you guys agree? <laughs> Ryan is shaking his head back and forth. No, he's, he's playing corner because you have two holes at corner. You have like .5 holes at safety. Yeah. If even. Yeah. Um, you need a corner and a Kareem Jackson. And then next year, let's say Justin Simmons or Will Parks takes a, a big step backward. Kareem Jackson's the safety, and the corner you got to be your third corner this year in the first round is now your, your second corner. Yeah, man, if you just went and got Bryce Callahan, then you could focus all of your first-round <laughs> desires on Devin Bush and Devin White. Hmm. Just saying. Will John do that? Doesn't seem like it, but hey, the longer he's out there... What if his only market right now is like the Lions and they're offering him three for 27 and he's like, ugh, I'd rather play with Vic Fangio than play <laughs> the Lions. Well, he's going to get paid, so I guess you'd have to match it. Or you just three for 26 <laughs> with a $1 cap hit in year one. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> wonder what the lowest cap hit you could get is. The minimum salary? I, I assume. Well, uh, couldn't you just pay... A guy his entire year in a bonus. And then spread it out in years two, three, four. I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't either. I'm no Mike Sullivan. <laughs> what if we could, we, I wonder if we could get Mike Sullivan as a podcast guest. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, friends, I, I'm friends with him on LinkedIn. I saw him in the airport once. Yeah, oh yeah. So you know what he looks like. Yep. No picture on LinkedIn. Oh. Yeah. 
he looks like what you would expect a money guy to look like. No, yep, exactly. Well, a former lawyer, so I imagine he looks like that. That too. <laughs> uh, what's the last question? One coming in from Ooh Benny Lava says, "So Jared Cook is still out there? I know, I know. We only have money to get two free agents, so don't yell at me, RK. No, they uh, changed looks like it. Like RK is the one yelling at himself. They changed the cap hits. We can get him." But after finding out Jackson's deal is only five to six million dollars this year, considering we will have to re-sign Hireman anyways, why not just spend a little more for Cook instead of three years, eighteen million for Hireman? God forbid we can get Cook for maybe two million more a year. I might be dreaming. I just think it would be cool to fix two of our perennial awful positions in tight end and right tackle. Thoughts? By the way, I am truly enjoying the off-season coverage. I almost like this time of year more. Be that more than the actual season. I've been doing a lot of Bronco rebuilds on Madden. Drew Locke in that game is a beast. Cheers, boys. What's the price for good for Jared Cook? He's still out there. What could it be? I don't want to get caught in this. He's still out there. He's got to be cheap thing just yet. I eight million. I think he's a, I think he's the the classic three years eighteen. Well, then what is Jeff Hireman? Jeff Hireman, I think, is more of the caliber of these three years, eighteen million guys. Okay, so what if it's, what if it's two for fourteen for Jared Cook? Yeah, yeah. Can we do that, Cap Man? I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, see, it could be. I don't know how long he wants to play. I don't know what kind of money he's looking for. It's so hard, man. I mean, one million dollars more than Jeff Hireman. Come on. That's what I'm saying. And also, when you watch Joe Flacco, man, does he like the tight end. He really likes the tight end. There's no way Jared Cook would be one million more. I don't know. I mean, again. There's, there's a chance Jeff Hireman's market's two for four. I just don't think so. I think it's that six million, which is so freaking crazy. I wouldn't. Whatever the difference is between Jared Cook and Jeff Hireman, I'm willing to pay it. <sighs> Maybe. It can't, it, can't be, it can't be more than eight, right? I think it can be. For Jared Cook. I think it can be. I, th- I think it's right around eight, but I think it can be more. Uh, he is visiting with the Saints tomorrow, I believe, on Friday. So I would probably rather go to New Orleans and play with Drew Brees and be his tight end threat than here. Man, when I watch Joe Flacco, he like – and Jeff Hireman doesn't even fit the bill. He needs this big-bodied, you know, strong tight end in the middle that he can just f- hammer balls into. Jared Cook. Yes. <laughs> or um, TJ Hawkinson. Mm, we'll have to talk about tight ends in the first round. As the needs get, or as the, the the areas get slimmer, I'm starting to see it like really narrow down. And, and there was a point where we were down to corner and inside linebacker. Now, with the depth at corner, I just think they're going corner in the second. So now I'm down to like inside linebacker. Then I was thinking OL. Now I think now I'm off that unless it was you know a really great guard if you traded back, um, maybe you wanted to make Jonah Williams your right guard like okay that sounds great, um, now I'm at like cornerback and BPA at a, at a ton of different positions exactly and one of those positions could be tight end yeah you better be getting Gronk you better be getting close you bet you better be getting Travis Kelsey. I should say, okay. I, when I say Gronk, Gronk is a once ever player. When I say Gronk, I mean a great tight end. So Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle, even though he's a fifth round pick. One pick after Jake Butt. <laughs> <laughs> 
so many stories like that. I think every team probably has stories like that, but man, it really hurts. It does. All right, Zach. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today on the BSN Broncos podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. Thanks for all the new listeners. I've heard from some new listeners out there. We really appreciate you guys. Hope you enjoy the ride with us. We'll be here every day. Tomorrow's a big day for the Broncos as they'll be introducing their three new free agents. So we'll talk to you later on the BSN Broncos podcast. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 